This is the Social Pros Podcast, the weekly show for real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, and featuring Jeff Roars, Zena Wiest, and great guests from the world of social media and content marketing. Social Pros is sponsored by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, Xpian, Janray, and Cision. Ready to learn from the pros? Let's get to work. Welcome back to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined in this very special live and in-person episode by Jeffrey K. Roars of Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company. Jeff, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I like these in-person things. It's kind of cool. We are sitting in uh, in a hotel room in lovely San Diego. Uh, we are out here for the Social Media Marketing World 2014 conference uh, and joined by a very special guest, Mr. Brian Clark, founder, CEO, and grand poobah of Copyblogger Media. Brian, thanks for being here on Social Pros. I am thrilled to be here in the same room with you gentlemen. Well, we are thrilled to have you. Uh, i got lots of different questions uh, for you, but I thought maybe in the off chance that there are listeners to the Social Pros podcast who aren't familiar with you and your burgeoning empire, uh, that we could uh, start with a brief description of all the things that Copyblogger Media is involved in. Well, how long is the show? <laughs> as no. long as you want it to be. Here's the short story. Um, Copyblogger started as a blog just by me in 2006. Uh, basically talking about what we now call content marketing. We didn't call it that back then. Um, and of course, copy bloggers kind of evolved from a one-man blog to a multi-author digital magazine, if you will. And that has really fueled our business. Uh, we didn't have any products or services to sell when I started, uh, but we quickly started building parts of things that we needed ourselves and our audience needed um, mainly in conjunction with WordPress. Uh, we offer WordPress hosting, design frameworks, content marketing software. We do training, education. We're putting on our first conference in May. Great. Wow. That, Apparently, we've not invited to be speakers at that, Jeff. No. Wow. This is a long, I think I'm this, catering. Actually. This is a long-term <laughs> thing. This is a long-term thing. Swedish Meatballs by Jeff Roars. For you guys. It was either you know you guys or Seth Godin, and for the first show, I had to go with Seth. I understand. That's no, how you like you like bald guys. It is the fifteenth anniversary of permission marketing. So yeah, we'll it is some slack, well which we geeked out over at SMS. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, I should say that uh, Brian's company uh, has done a lot of design work for us at Convince and Convert, and also hosts the Social Pros uh, podcast website, among other things. So, thank you very much. I'm a big fan of, uh, of Synthesis, the uh, WordPress specific web hosting company that Brian's uh, team runs. Um, let me ask you a question. Um, you, you come at this from both sides, right? So obviously you're in the content marketing business very much so, but you also use uh, social media uh, quite a bit. Do you think of social uh, as an amplification tool for what you do in content or, or how do you see the relationship between those two things? I think primarily um, an amplification tool for the content because um, in this medium, it, that is socially driven. Obviously, we don't have network television deals. We don't have radio distribution deals or broadcasting arrangements. Uh, we have the people, right? So you have to create, you know, focus on what people want and need first. If they like it, they tend to share it. Uh, the mainstreaming of social media has really turned sharing into 
a status symbol to a certain degree. Those who find the best stuff um, are rewarded for their curation, which is beneficial to the publishers and to yeah. the people who spread the content. It's like gold well. mining. Yeah. But of course, there's also another aspect to it because anyone can talk to you through these channels. And um, I think <laughs> for it, good or bad. For good or bad. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, you would, uh, you're having a bad day. But for the most part, um, people are able to communicate with you directly in a positive way. And we found that. Um, you know, having started in 2006, right before social media really took off, social media has been, or you guys know that social media really goes back to the beginning of the internet, sure. but blogs were the original sure, social media yeah. and their comment sections and blogs would talk to each other and debate things. And then you'd have comment streams. Yeah, now and brands that. do that on Twitter, right? Yeah. You know, and talk now, about making fun of, you know, Arby's or whatever. Exactly. So now, um, that aspect now that everyone is doing the Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google Plus thing, um, the conversation has reached a level that those who started using that word around the time of the clue train, yeah. you know, we all remembered that and markets or conversations, which people took a little too literally. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it's really happened. So it's an amazing uh, distribution channel for lack of a better term. I think distribution is probably a little archaic, but it, it does spread our content. It is the engine by which things go places. What are the mechanics of that in, in your company? So so do you specifically staff uh, social media roles? Um, how does that uh, intersect with the content creators? Are they different people? Um, so, so what is the... Uh, what does the kind of personnel side of that look like operationally? Yeah, so since we're such a content-driven company, um, editorial, there is no search division, content division, social media division. We call that editorial, yeah. right? So you create and you distribute to the best of your abilities. Um, we are fortunate to have been around long enough to wear... Uh, my friend Greg Bozer, who's a very, very smart SEO guy, says your SEO strategy at this point is hit publish. Yeah. And I don't apologize because yeah. we worked really hard to get to that point. But no one wants to remember how hard and how unknown I was <laughs> those first three to six months and how all the big bloggers at the time didn't want to give me the time of day. And they also thought I was the devil because I was talking about selling with blogs. Again, that's 2006, right. a huge change in climate right. to today. But yeah, people, now you're the outlier if you're talking about blogs as some sort of non-commercial endeavor, right? It's, it, it's all it's flipped got, upside down. It's completely flipped upside down. So when I tell that story, people look at me like, no, nah, you've always had it easy. You know, but no, no one ever, no one, everyone starts unknown and yeah, lonely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that story because it's one of the questions I had for you is, do you think um, that in theory, if, if, if people followed your playbook and purchased your courses and listened to your advice, which is very sound, that, that anybody or any company could, could have, maybe not your level of success, but could have meaningful success in this game? Where do you come out on sort of the nature versus nurture side of it? I'm not certain even exactly what I believe there. I, I, mm -hmm. I think there are some commonalities amongst people who are good at content, mostly if they work <laughs> themselves to death, right? I don't know anybody who's good at quote-unquote content marketing who doesn't work really hard, but I think personally there is some level of talent involved in this. It's not just purely paint by numbers. What do you think? 
There are fundamentals in their execution. You can teach fundamentals, um, which is what we've tried to focus on. You can't teach height, on. as they say in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, so the, Michael King is a, a smart guy on Twitter, and he was putting together a presentation. He goes, you know, there's not a, a lot of collateral out there that just shows, boils down the content marketing process, like how you do it. And then I took his tweet and I tweeted it back at him and said, there's not a lot of process out there about how to make the next Star Wars. And that's a, that's a kind of a ludicrous example. Trilogy infographic? Yeah. Yeah, like here, follow these steps and you too can be George Lucas. I mean, it doesn't work that way. This is a creative industry. All marketing has been creative except we're finding out now that everything that's tracked and data-driven, that all that marketing wasn't all that good. All that advertising wasn't all that great. The circulation numbers of your local newspaper were inflated. Sure. <laughs> but now we can track everything and we're all held accountable and we're finding what works. And content does work if you've got those business objectives uh, here and you've been with audience over here. And I know that is speaking to yeah. Jeffrey's choir. You're speaking my language. We. Uh Cross paths at uh, at uh, Third Door Media, Danny Sullivan and Chris Sherman's SMX event recently. It was interesting to see that our talk tracks had that that overlap, and you were approaching it from the media side. I was approaching it from the audience side. Um, how how much do you feel there is education that has to be done on the fact? Look, you're doing content to grow audience and sell for the long term. Do you still think that there's um, you know a, 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 a a, an assumption there of audience in the folks that you're consulting with, the brands that you're talking to? They think it's almost enough to do the content and the audience will come? I think uh, we're continuing to evolve to a more granular level in the sense that at first in 2006, it was no, really, do this. And then everyone, half the people were like, no, you're crazy. Then it became 2008, 2009, the why started to sink in. And then we know around 2010, this whole content marketing thing really started like social media uh, earlier went more mainstream. Now it's how do you do it yeah. kind of thing. So I think we're just evolving to where um, everyone has to do this and, and this can be done. Uh, let me put it this way. So you had the publishing world in New York, the advertising industry of Madison Avenue. You had Hollywood, television and film. You had these um, silos of creativity, and there was a very structured mechanism by which you break in and work your way up, and you learn the ropes, kid, right? Yeah. Now that happens in Indiana, and it happens in Cleveland, and it happens in Denver, wherever. There are no industry silos. It's yeah. all of us on our own trying to figure out how to become media producers to build audience. There is precedent but it's in the esteemed halls of traditional media. So instead of saying oh, traditional media is dead, which of course is ridiculous, we need to start looking at what do they do right and what can we do? Because we're the digitally savvy, right? Well then, therefore we should be doing a better job, but we still have to emulate the fundamentals and they know that. They've got that. Yeah, they got it all figured out. Uh, you know, I'm real intrigued uh, with the challenges that brands have competing not only with the content producers who are traditional media, <clears throat> but now the consumers who have become uh, the new media. So I'll give you a, a perfect example and just be interested in your reflections on it and what you're seeing. Um, spoke in Sweden, so I was doing some research on different, you know, kind of 
Swedish uh, entities and stuff and stumbled into the story of uh, PewDiePie, which is a top YouTube broadcaster, Swedish kid, uh, probably early mid twenties with 25 million subscribers on YouTube. And what he has done is built an empire making, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a month. Um, doing uh, video game uh, uh, videos where he's playing it and essentially reviewing it as yeah. he plays yeah. and dropping F-bombs and everything else. And I, I I cited this as an example because, you know, we've all cited Red Bull as an example, mm-hmm. right? Red Bull on YouTube, I think, has 3.5 yeah. million subscribers. This kid in Sweden, English is a second language, 25 Yeah, million. my son watches those videos yeah. all the time, and he's sitting there, his, sitting there on his iPad, well. on his iPad watching somebody else play a video game. I said, do you own that game? Yeah. Why don't you just go play the game? And Why are you watching somebody else yeah. play a video like, Spending time watching somebody else play a video game, I do not understand that. But at, my eight-year-old was doing that all. with Minecraft, and it blew yeah. my mind because, you know, we're parents now, and I guess we're a little mystified, but we were the first generation to grow up with video yeah, games. Right. But we played, it was participatory. Yeah, now, exactly. Now video games are a spectator sport, which is so... Well, but, but he how, was trying to figure out how to do something yeah, in Minecraft. Yeah, that I can get, but, yeah. but that's not so, so much, right? That's but now, yeah, it's a spectator sport, right? <laughs> so, so in Minecraft, you so can look weird. at Team Crafted, which is a yeah. group of individual players also making lots of money yeah. via YouTube advertisements that have been aggregated, brought together under a management team, getting their first sponsorship deals. There was a great article in The Atlantic about this. But these are individual content creators who, because of their youth and because of kind of the generation that they're part of, is tapping into this zeitgeist that, you know, generationally we don't understand. But is it any different than, oh, I go play, you know, when I'm a kid, I go play uh, Little League baseball, I play football, I play soccer. And I'll go and I'll go watch those. Or I want to read copy blogger to see how to make money as a blogger. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So when you think about it, given the tools and the network that's been provided to us, it's actually weirder that a what was I, thirty seven, thirty nine year old would start a blog and turn it into a business than it is for that kid. Yes. Col- yeah, culture. Right? Sure. Yeah. At that time. Because a lot of people are like, you do what? Still, to this day. Yeah. You know, even despite everything, everyone kind of speaks the same language with Twitter and yes. Facebook and everything. And yet they're still like, I don't understand how you make money. I'm like, I sell software. What's not to understand? Yeah. What you don't understand is how you market I, the software. I market the software. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's give to get. Uh, one of the things I've heard you talk about, and it's good to have Jeff here as well, just in general, but in particular. No, thank you. Thank in you. <laughs> I feel the same way. Thank you. Uh, in particular, on this subject, is that um, <laughs> Copy Blogger, of course, exists in a lot of places. Obviously, on the .dot com, but but as we mentioned earlier, there's a number of social channels where you have uh, significant footprints. But I've heard you say in the past that of all the things you do, that, that email is really the tie that binds, right? That email is sort of the ligament of your success. And I'd love for you to uh, elaborate on that a little bit. We've touched on email, of course, a number of times on the Social Pros podcast. Uh, because Jeff and I both come from that world, but uh, I would love for you to kind of give folks a sense of just how important email is to the company and uh, and why it continues to be a big part of your success. So our overall strategy is is very holistic when we practiced it from pretty much day one. You know, search uh, is fueled by content and social, and even back then it was dig and delicious that drove the links. And you know, now I always say that 
with the mainstreaming of social media, it's actually easier than it was. Yeah. But people don't want to believe that. They want to say it's too noisy. Twitter's I'm saying, dig. I'm saying no, it's not, it may be more crowded and noisier. That means more people. You know, right. it's too. It's yeah, half, noise, noise is opportunity for doing The glass right. is half full or half empty. I see it completely full all the time. That's just the way I, I view the world. But um, I meant to make this point when I spoke at uh, MEC's marketing summit um, a month or so ago. That if you took away social media and you took away search, and but you allowed me to create content and find a way to deliver it by email, I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be fine. You can take it all away. And and with email um, and with the new advertising channels that we have with Twitter or whatnot, if you've got enough money to spend. And you realize that I don't want to spend money pitching my products. I want to spend money to build an audience. You know, again, we could, mm-hmm. he and I could go on the show as a two man <laughs> tandem thing. But if that is media, I'm audience. <laughs> well, no, but it's, it's, a, it's an asset. I've been trying right. to get that through to people yeah. that you are building a, a business asset instead of advertising and, and renting short term, a short term lease, not even a long term lease on someone else's audience, yeah. right? Um, you build your own audience. That is smart business today. And the fact that some people don't get that, I do not understand. Well, I mean, you're going to the heart of kind of the gospel that I'm out preaching right now with the book. And, and I couldn't agree more. Um, I think it comes down to the fact that we and that marketers have done a horrible job of communicating the asset value up into the executive ranks. Right. We're still talking about ROI and little yeah, yeah. tiny things. You know, I built our whole company. Launch by launch by launch by launch, year by year by year, mm-hmm. one at a time. No venture capital, no advertising, because I had that audience. If that's not a business asset, I don't know what is. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, it comes down to also you are an entrepreneur with your hands in the business, right? So you are you are feeding your own mouths and you are feeding the mouths of the people that you work with. So you've got a real passionate connectivity. When you take that into a larger organization where the founder isn't involved where the passion may be more for salary or prestige or you know, vision, you know, visibility on the street, it changes the dynamic, right? If you're answerable to shareholders, that changes it as well. So the challenge I think for marketers is how, how do you bridge that gap? And I, I think one of the, the, the biggest audiences they're missing out on in terms of how they communicate to is the C-suite. How do you ultimately communicate your value? And that's got to be a part of your plan each year, too. It's great to hit your numbers or exceed them, but how do you win and communicate the value that you're bringing content, audience, brand, the assets that you build? And that asset mentality, I think, is something that is so key to what you have built that I think a lot of our listeners could take that forward and say, how do I communicate that to my ultimate boss and their ultimate boss? I think we would be remiss if we didn't, uh, at least at some point in this podcast, uh, ask Brian about um, their recent decision to remove comments from the Copy Plogger uh, blog. There's been lots of conversation about that in the last few days uh, around the interwebs. Uh, you want to kind of recap uh, the scenario, then we'll talk about it a little bit. Yeah, basically, so um, this was a decision made by the editorial team that I sat out of and let them decide. Um, Robert Bruce has been advocating for the elimination of comments for about three years. Um, Jared is our new director of content, so he runs the show now, which is a recent thing. Sonia is our chief content officer. 
and puts the fear of God in all of us. You know, you've heard if mom's not happy, no one's happy. If yeah. Sonia's yeah. not happy, no one's <laughs> happy. Sure. So they figured that Sonia would just say no. And they had a very thorough discussion. And, you know, I got a call afterward and the answer was we're doing it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's surprising. What did, you know, and Sonia's reasoning, what swayed her is what's in her post. Now, there's plenty of conjecture happening as we speak about the real reasons. <laughs> and I, I, I get a little offended at that because Sonia is a straight shooter. Let me um, just uh, jump in there to make sure people uh, are, are, are tracking this. And so the, the, the post from Sonia Simone, who's the, the CCO at Copybloggers, said that um, the, the burden of, of dealing with the incredible levels of spam that come through comments, and I can tell you firsthand that is absolutely true, uh, is, is, over, is overwhelming the, the usefulness of comments. In fact, most comments or good comments are taking place in other places, right? On Google+, on Facebook, et cetera. And so those two things combined uh, led Copyblogger to decide to, to eliminate comments. But the conjecture, uh, unless there's other conjecture that you're referring to, is that, that this is sort of a Trojan horse idea to improve uh, Google rankings and things like that by, by building backlinks to, uh, to the blog because people will have to create uh, sort of echo blog posts to discuss these issues as opposed to just leaving a comment at the bottom of the original post. So, um, so to that, that's interesting because if, if anyone wants to do a backlink analysis, and is that a different conjecture? I just make up new conjecture. No, no, that's that. pretty much it. Um, if anyone wants to show me a, a site in the content marketing world that has more links than us already, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. All right, that's not the reason. Well, now, and links are being devalued, not not increasingly valued. Google anyway. is yeah, so. increasingly can't rely on them because they're too easy to manipulate. Now. The, the fact that one of our main outlets, instead of commer uh, commercials, <laughs> comments, is that Freudian? Um, <laughs> for our audience, a lot of times that's why they comment, but that's a whole other yeah, issue. Exactly. Um, building a Google Plus community. Now, that may be the future of, of what influences rankings. I think there's mm -hmm. no concrete evidence that anyone can point to, but for us to make this move based on that would be silly. It's just silly. Here's the thing. For a large, mature site like Hobbyblogger, um, the conversations are happening elsewhere. And this relates back to what I said earlier about it used to be blogs were social media. And blogs used to link to each other and talk. Sure. You know, yes. I think that would be great if more of that happened, but people have gotten stingy with the links. I don't comment on your blog anymore, and you don't comment on my blog anymore, but there was a time when that happened. Because the Google, you know, right. everyone is so in... <sighs> You know, well, it's just, but, but if we're going to exchange comments or like, hey, I like that, or what are you doing? It's going to be on Twitter. Yeah, at this point, no, not, absolutely. Not comments. It just is. Yeah, absolutely. The people, I don't follow a ton of people on Twitter, but if I wanted to say something to anyone, it would be there. Yeah, and well, it, and, it often is. But well, but we were finding that we were managing comments, managing spam, detecting the clever spam, which that's getting a lot harder. It's getting a lot harder. And going to Google Plus and answering different, you know, now that it's at Brian Clark and at Copy Blogger split up. Right. We're yeah, fragmenting because that's how people want to talk to us. I can uh, I can certainly see the the blogs out there who have very thriving communities, right? Sure. Where, where the comment thread is very much additive to the original post. There are blogs out there. Mark Schaefer's blog is like that. Jenny Dietrich's blog is like that. Danny Brown's blog is like that. There's a number of others. Your blog is not like that. 
my blog is not like that, right? The comments, um, as, I, as I mentioned to Scott Stratton uh, in a Facebook exchange of the day, my blog, Convince and Convert, stopped becoming a blog in the classical sense and started becoming a news outlet the day I stopped writing every blog post. Yeah. Because you lose that personal connection to the readership when you're not the one sitting at the keyboard and every remember, day. This is what I'm here you know? presenting when on you think here. about how many, how many you know, writers you guys have, how many writers we have, uh, we don't have consistent tonality or consistent audience connection. Well, and, and we're not going to. And ironically, that's exact what Target's I'm blog is not, is sure. not a community sure. in the classic sense. I mean, and, and so do I wish it was a community? I mean, I wouldn't mind, but I don't. It's not part of my strategy. But we have community it's not part elsewhere. Of your strategy. Community, community is elsewhere. not comments. The equation I find to be simplistic. It's not the same thing. It's not the same. It thing. can be. It but happens it happen. everywhere. And again, nowhere in our post and decision did we tell anyone else to do this. In fact, Sony said you probably shouldn't do this. <laughs> Although we are, right? But. You know, I mean, yeah, I was surprised. You, um, there were some other people that I think. If you run a high-traffic, popular site, you've thought about it before. Yeah. If you're being honest. Yeah. Right? Yes. Well, and, and you're hitting on something that I think is critical, is that you, you said, you know, uh, a large-scale large site, lots of traffic, lots of maturity, right? Your behaviors have both changed over the years, right? When you were getting started and going out there, you were interacting with each other in comments in the blog. Now you've grown beyond that. I think it's imperative. and I've. It's been fascinating to watch the back and forth on this topic because I think people are coming into it thinking in a very monolithic sense that all bloggers are created equal. And not all blogs, not, not all content sites are, have the same goals and objectives. So I think that you know, those folks who you know, are speculating it would be wise to go back, read the original post, and realize it depends on what your business objectives are. Yeah. Well, and here's another thing that I've tried to point out with else. It, it gets very difficult because it's so easy to become the big, holier-than-thou, untouchable, arrogant, Yeah, you're not whatever. saying that you're right and something else is wrong. It's just no, it's a, a business decision. But people don't realize that, okay, it's not the level of, you know, exact target now that you are part of this organization but we do have 150,000 customers yeah. I mean so I have been a big advocate for comments over the years on our new site new rainmaker we still have comments because that's where I try new concepts and the feed direct feedback is invaluable yeah. to me mm-hmm. I'm not anti comments I'm anti comments on copy blogger in this specific case but we built our products based on feedback and some of that was from comments some was from social media it shifted more and more to social media in general but also, when you have that many customers, that's where your feedback comes from. They actually use your stuff. Yeah. Well, what's fascinating about this, in kind of a, it's a microcosm of the decisions that businesses now have to make across the social media channels as well as to the staffing, as to the time, as to the, the sweat equity they have to put in to maintain these channels yep. and whether they are going to be legitimate sources of income or amplification or engagement that's meaningful to the bottom line. So well, I'm glad you said that because again this creepy kind of anti-commercialism has come out again where I'll say, look, if comments turn out to hurt revenue, I mean the lack of them, I would be the first to put them back, but that's not going to happen. We know we have we are a very data-driven company. I mean mm-hmm. we know who comments what you know? What someone? I think Danny Brown brought up the well. That, you know, the comments are a great lead generation source. Well, I'm not going to sell software in the comments. 
right? If I was selling big ticket stuff, or even if I was a consultant or service provider, that interaction... There may be some correlation there, but it's probably not causation. Yeah, exactly. It, it just depends on your business model, and sure. I think that's another thing that doesn't... Well, the, the, the fundamental issue is this. Just because we all use WordPress doesn't mean we have the same business model. Right. Right. It's, right. it's you know, and, and we're sort of like, well, it's a blog, therefore it must be the same way. And the same way that, that not everybody uses Twitter the same way. I don't think, and, to, and this was not the goal either, but you, you can't turn off comments on CopyBlog without telling people, right? Right. That would so, be weird. Right. Okay. So we told people, but I don't think anyone's ever questioned the business use of comments in years. Mm-hmm. And that conversation is happening. Yeah. Some people agree, yeah. some people don't. Uh, for us, it is what it is, but if anything comes out of this, I think most smaller bloggers should not cut off those comments at all because that is a lifeline to the community you're trying to build. No, no. And they have, they have more bandwidth to, to deal with it in a personal way, to grow their community. Well, and the, and the blog is inherently more personal, which yeah. is te- what, what, what usually what solicits comments is that personal collect- connection. Sure. When you get bigger and more authors, which is the part that I think isn't discussed enough in this issue, is the multi-author blog. Um, that, that usually the comments fall off. In many cases, the comments fall right. off because the connection is no longer personal. Right? And, and the, if somebody said, it's well, enough for the person to publish the content. Yeah. They're not curating the right. interaction. If somebody the said reader. to me the other day about this when I was mentioning that we're thinking about doing the same thing, like, well, look, then it's not a blog, it's an article. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, the, the nuance between it's, the blog it's interesting and what is it? to see the unquestioned biases we have and that people don't yeah. think. You know, I was calling them articles in 2006 because I wanted article people marketing to, was a whole thing for. A I while. wanted people to write valuable educational content as opposed to just saying, "Today I fed the cat," and then I had lunch. Here's a picture. You know, I mean, yeah. that's what we evolved out of. So we are a very more. Our tone is more personable, yeah. even if it's a multi-author blog, yeah. right? And again, you have to remember that that copy blogger was one of the first to shift to that format because right. I wanted to run a media publication. Yeah. That comments, <laughs> great, you know. And another thing, <laughs> we're content marketers, not page view journalists. Why do why does Pando Daily? Do you think they like having comments? Those are page views, yeah. right? TechCrunch, okay. We don't. Yeah, the screen redraws every time you submit. If you don't run advertising, you have no use for page views as a metric. Other things, yes. But I just think that people need to sit down and say, why am I doing this? What does it mean to my business objectives? And most people should probably err on the side of yes, having them. No doubt. We'll be back with more from Brian Clark uh, of CopyBlogger in just a moment. First, I want to remind you that this here podcast, Social Pros, is brought to you by the good people at Expion, who have a centralized platform that empowers global brands, agencies, and retailers to manage their social marketing efforts. Expion's Fave 50 social retail report analyzed more than 16,000 Facebook posts from the 50 top U.S. retailers and came up with a whole bunch of fantastic recommendations for how to optimize your Facebook page. Uh, if you are not a retailer, there's still a bunch of great tips there. You should download that free ebook now. It's from our good friends at Expion. You can get it, the Fave 50 Social Retail Port Report at ar.gy slash fave50. That's ar.gy slash fave50, all lowercase. Also, the Social Pros Podcast is brought to you by the good people at Cision the leading provider of software, services, and tools for the public relations industry. They have a terrific uh, free ebook, a new one actually, that you should grab called Six Tips to Help Amplify Your Content. 
uh, question is, is your content reaching its intended target audience? Download Decisions Free Tip Sheet, six tips to help amplify your content to get actionable insights on how to get your story in front of the right people at the right time. You can grab that right now for free at ar.gy slash amplify. That's ar.gy slash amplify. Mr. Jeff Roars, uh, do you have for us a social media number? Of the week. I do indeed. And it comes from our gracious host, Mr. Michael Stelsner, the ah. founder of Social Media Marketing World and various and assorted other affiliated companies. And in his keynote this morning, he cited uh, research they were doing up into uh, today's event. And one of the stats that stuck out at me was the number one channel that attendees of Social Media Marketing World want to learn more about is Google Plus. And that was with a bullet, 65% of the social media professionals surveyed yep. said Google Plus was the thing that they need and want to wow. learn more about. That's a fascinating statistic, 65%. It is. And I and I wrestle with it. Um, I would put myself in that category. I, I would too, but begrudgingly. Like, <laughs> right? And that's well, what... I would ask it is this. Is it, is it because they generally want to know more about Google Plus or they feel like they're getting screwed by Facebook? Is it, or, is it a or and I'll put a third in there, or that they feel they have to because well, the way that Google's rankings now and their lovely vertical integration. We forced started them. talking about Google Plus because you see where it's going. Yeah. Um, a long time ago, and I, I don't know how long ago it was that I wrote the article. Get over yourself and mm-hmm. get on yeah, Google Plus. Um, but thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, because mm-hmm. you're just doing everything possible to make it happen, you know. And Twitter's about to overhaul itself and look more like Facebook. So Google has the money, the resources, you know, eventually they'll... they'll wait them out. Wait them out. Yeah. And they don't have to do anything. They can keep making it better. They didn't just go IPO. They've been a public company for a long time. They make their money in other places. And they get all that data that they don't get from Facebook and Twitter. So it's a win-win-win. So they just sit there, create the best social platform possible. And in my opinion, it is that. <laughs> but it's no one wants to go over and go to a new place. But the more Facebook says, we're changing the rules well, on you again, and Twitter changes. Haven't we each used the analogy at some point in our careers about the nightclub of social media, right? Mm-hmm. That there is, you know, a hot nightclub. We used to call it Friendster, and then it was, you know, LinkedIn for a short period of time. Then it came over to Facebook, and it has grown with Facebook, and now it's split. And you have several. And so I wonder if we're going into the next nightclub, right? And that is Google+, Plus, because you're right. They need a critical mass of the cool kids, move over and at that point I think they have the cool kids. So they, what they, they don't have, have is different what they don't have is, is is my high school classmates right and I don't interact they, with them on Facebook so so but you're talking cool kids in a very limited industry kind yeah. of fashion right and I, I'm talking about the tipping point for yeah. them in the mass market because right now I think a lot of consumers still wrestle with the question of you know having the great Google in the sky be everything to them, right? And you're right. Your high school friends, your college friends, they're over here on Facebook. That migration is like changing your bank account mm-hmm. or changing your, you know, your cell phone provider. That's a that, there's pain there, right? And um, that's the question for me is, mm-hmm. you know, can can they get enough people to migrate over and make it as pain free as possible? But it's interesting this crowd and that keynote and and data. Um, 
Marketers should be dying to be on Google Plus because it is the most friendly and the most beneficial because it gives the information to Google <laughs> that's going to be the new ranking algorithmic trigger, if you will. At least in part. At least in part. Of course, it's always in part. Um, and Facebook is completely, you know, hey, Invi- invisible to Google. Build invisible to Google. They let you build an audience there, and now they're going to charge you to reach it. That that's pretty rough. Twitter, in its current function, is great for distribution. You know, it's it's how content spreads, but it's it's uh, better for more real time events. You know, real time rap. That's another interesting thing I want to go back to on the comment thing. You know, everyone is kind of assuming that you have to have comments on a blog post, but what about the second screen concept? I mean, are we not taking that into account that we consume content, whether it be television, mm-hmm. sporting event? We found. Also, it could be an article. When I find a great piece of content, first thing I want to do is share it, not leave a comment. And right. we're seeing more and more of that behavior. Yes, no doubt. So I want to take the second screen metaphor and apply it to content and say, have comments or don't have comments, but a lot of your user behavior, the benefit yeah. you get as a creator is the sharing that other people do. Right. Rip, rip on the pond. Yep. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I... I do wonder, you know, because Google is, you know, the most vertically integrated, right? They can leverage other parts of their business to kind of pound their competitors. And are doing so. And mm-hmm. that's what they're doing right now. And um, that's that's kind of what I'm intrigued about in this, is that I, I would love to see uh, Mike and his team here go a level deeper on that question. And I'd like to understand what, what's, what are the fears, what are the business opportunities, well, why don't you what guys do an exact target? Why don't you do it? That's an excellent a, a point. Google Plus uh, research project. I think we will have to throw that into uh, that Mr. Kyle Lacey. I do know that Google Plus, um, as far as active users, is continuing to grow. Twitter is not, and Facebook, who knows? Yeah. I'll, but I'll put a big question mark by growth on Google Plus. Because very it's, difficult it's, a, it's a forced engagement, right? Well, that Across was the, the account argument. Of yeah. course, you're forced to have an account, but yeah. they're actually right. seeing active yeah. users yeah. now. So it's not... It's not skyrocketing. It's not WhatsApp, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah. But right. that's not a crowd Google's after. Google wants the content creators to be there, yeah. so they can get the data they need. Um, and is it a chicken or egg? If all the it's content symbiotic. creators are there and you push yeah. people there, then they're like, "Oh, I like this place." You're not going to get people to just switch from Facebook or whatever for for not a really compelling reason, yeah. and. Yeah. It's still stuck in purgatory, as far as I'm concerned. Despite it's the not, fact it's that it's moving, enough. Yeah. their position great. What happens from now? I don't know. Is it up to well, us they're still? Cer- you know? Well, they're certainly committed. I don't see yeah. them. Long, they're in for the long, 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 long haul. <laughs> that's it. That's the key. Um, you know, we talked about uh, social networks, and and 50 of consumers now, uh, at least on occasion, use social login. Right? They actually <laughs> log in as, as a registration form with social media. Uh, and those who do so are, are more active uh, on websites and likely to uh, be brand advocates at a, at a higher percentage. But unfortunately, 71% of people still report receiving an offer from a company that clearly shows they do not know who they are. That they're just not being, they're not using data to drive relevance. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our sponsors, Janrain, has a terrific uh, report, the 2014 Consumer Login Behavior Report, which kind of helps you how to fix that problem, shows you how to mine data legally and, and in a privacy-approved way from your customers to then deliver relevance and, and offers that really make sense that actually work. 
You should grab that free ebook now. It's at ar.gy slash profiles, ar.gy slash profiles. That's from our friends at Jan Rain, one of the sponsors of the show. And the last sponsor of the show is, of course, Jeff Forge's company. Well, not in whole. He's, I don't, he's a minority shareholder. My employer. Yes, his employer. <laughs> the way to say it. Let uh, us be clear. The, the exact target marketing cloud, a salesforce.com company. Um, and uh, although they're still working on the Google Plus report we just uh, talked about, they do already have the 2014 mobile behavior report, which if you haven't gotten this yet, I've talked about it last two shows, you need to grab this. It's really fascinating. So what exact target did is they convinced um, 470 consumers to actually allow them to install some stuff on their mobile device and track how they actually use websites, emails, etc on smartphones and tablets and so it's really fascinating because it's not just what people say they do in mobile it's what they actually did in mobile really really fantastic data really interesting insights and uncovering sort of consumer preferences and habits you need to grab this and just take a look at it it'll it'll change the way you think about this sort of mobile first society that we're in it's from exact target ar.gy slash behavior grab that now ar.gy slash behavior it's the 2014 mobile behavior report by the way i'm going to compliment you on the segue into the jan rain spot there it was it was very much you know i i i felt it was just part of the content of the show it was so thank smooth you. i almost I, interjected i know thank you. i should do this podcast thing more often right thank you boys <laughs> i appreciate that all right we're gonna wrap it up here <laughs> We're going to wrap it up here with Brian Clark for the two big questions section. Okay, Brian, here we go. Question number one. Uh, what one tip would you give people looking to become a social pro? Oh, wow. Um, create social objects. And How do you mean by social object? A social object is something that people value and want to share. It makes them look good. Uh, it adds value to the people it shares with. Uh, and it satisfies the business objectives of the creator. And that's the same philosophy behind Hotmail back in the day, uh, all the viral apps these days, and it's what makes content work. Now, content has an edge when you're selling something such as professional services or uh, for sale software or e-commerce because it has an inherent educational and persuasive nature as well to it. So if you can make content that's a social object, it's like getting television commercials all over the world except ones that people want to consume instead of ones that they want to tune out. I love it. Second and final question from Brian Clark, founder, CEO and grand poobah of Copyblogger Media. Uh, If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Man, that is a tough question. The show is rough. Um, Does it have to be business related or whatever you want? Just anyone. I think I'd want to talk to Henry Rollins. Nice. nice. Good answer. Yeah. He, he was, a, you know, obviously classic punk rock, black flag guy. And a spoken word poet. Spoken word poet and media celebrity in his own right, but just a, a, a DIY guy before we started doing the DIY thing ourselves with the internet. You know, they put on the shows, they packed it in the van, they sold the records, they printed the records, they printed the t-shirts. And I think that's, the similar um, thing we share with someone like Henry, although uh, he bled a lot more than we did. <laughs> yeah. wasn't, wasn't he Terrific actually answer. a fan of Black Flag? He, he was. Became the and that's a great yeah. point right there, too. Yeah. He was a fan yeah. who joined the band. Talk about an advocacy story, right? Yeah. And he's got just huge. Yeah, he's, and he's, he's taking you to the gun you got show. No, you got nothing. <laughs> you know, when you, when you work at night, you got all day to work out. You know, I saw him in a spoken word thing, and it, I mean, he riffs spontaneously in directions that are, are just crazy mm-hmm. in the story he has but uh, 
what's shocking is when you see him with his all white hair now. That yeah. throws me yeah. off. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm used to him a little bit. You know, that, that intense young man. And He's uh, still ripped, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think you'd have a conversation with Henry so much as you'd, you'd be listening. Exactly. He, he doesn't take comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> Henry, don't do comments. Try to comments off. <laughs> Brian, thanks so much. You were fantastic. Jeff Roars, who's on the Social Pros podcast next week? Uh, I think we're going to uh, speak with, who should we do? Let me, let me think about this a second. I'm thinking about who I'd like to speak with. Um, I want to speak with uh, uh, who? who oh, what's the what's the captain of the Star Trek Enterprise Next Generation? Patrick Stewart, Patrick Picard. Stewart, and Ian McKellen. Yes. Okay, they have been running around New York because they're they're finishing up their Broadway show. Nice, and just tearing up social media with ridiculous photos with each other. Okay. So I, I think they should be our guests. But I didn't even know there was a show. Yeah, yeah there's a Broadway interesting. show. Yeah. Like, what they were selling was lost on me, but okay. I did notice that. But they, they are... Classically trained, foppish Scottish actors of a certain age who's going to be our guest next who week. Who have completely embraced for Andrew and Alex. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. No, that's not our guest next week. It's actually Mike McCammon from uh, Water.org, um, oh. which is an, also a terrific uh, social a media I'm a big fan of Water. Yes, it's a great story. It's going to be a good one. Uh, and the week after that, uh, really excited about this guest, Bob Pfeiffer, uh, who ran the Facebook page that helped recover his son, who was kidnapped and wow. taken to Europe, the uh, Bring Jerry Home Facebook page, uh, which has now been on the Today Show, been on Jimmy Fallon, been all over the country, been on The View. He's going to be our guest in two weeks, and it's an unbelievable harrowing tale about the power of social media, and Facebook in particular, uh, to reunite a family. Really excited to have him on the, on the show. It's a big, big get. So uh, that is fantastic. Brian, thanks a lot. Jeff, as always. Thanks, folks. Uh, nice to see some of you at Social Media Marketing World. We'll see you next time on Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to Cision, Janray, XPN, and ExactTarget, a Salesforce.com company.